I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome to Side Hustlers, the podcast where you hear the story of people following their passion outside of their day job. I'm Carla Marie, your host of Side Hustlers, and this week we're going to be hearing from the guys who created the tubby, the really cool pint glass. Now, I found out about these guys from the guys of Ombra's sunglasses who were on last year. So let's do it. For a lot of people, you know, why are you waiting? You know what you want to do. This is something you want to do. Get off your butt and do it. I'm a hustler, side, side, hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side, hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side, hustler. Come on, ask about me. Yo, yo, it's the Side Hustlers Podcast with Carla Marie. Okay, so this podcast is off to a crazy start. All the things are happening. We got into the studio late because our sports guys took it over, but it actually helped because I really did get to know you guys, and we were talking a lot of entrepreneurial stuff that I do want to get into on this episode, but you guys are the creators of The Tubby, which I love the name. I will say that it is a glass, just for people listening, or like, what is The Tubby? You can actually check them out at thetubby.co. Did I get that right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, Sam, do you want to take a stab at explaining what the tubby is and why it started? It's a pint glass revolution. And <laughs> I love that. But your story as to why and how you thought of it is my favorite. Yeah. So the the tubby is a shorter and wider pint glass. Um, and how it started, my wife was super pregnant, so we were doing my favorite activity, which is slamming pints of Ben and Jerry's ice yes. cream. <laughs> Chunky monkey, huh? Chunky. Monk, chubby okay. hubby. Chubby hubby. Chubby yeah. hubby's a good one. So we're looking at it and it says one pint on the ice cream pint. And I was like, oh my God, 
Let's see how that works with beer. So we finished the pint really quick, filled it up with beer. And you we were only like, drank the this beer. Is, yeah, I only drank the beer. My <laughs> wife was a little jealous. but yeah. <laughs> And so we had to turn it into a beer glass. And then you called Craig, who is your wife's brother. Yeah. And you were like, hey, I have this idea. Let's do this. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then you did it. And against everyone's recommendation of never working with family, I was like, ah, he seems like an okay guy. So- how many years ago was that idea? So that was uh, December of 2016. Okay, so the idea popped up. The idea popped up, and now you literally—I have 2017. I have a tubby here, and I love how you guys have them packed. They're in like what would you call a canister? What would this be called that they yeah, come in? Yeah, like sometimes fancy whiskey comes in like cylindrical packaging. Okay, it's kind of so like that. Yeah, cylindrical. Yes, yeah. that's a very big word for me to use right now. <laughs> but no, it really is cool, and I love looking at it and holding it with two hands. And it reminds me of holding like if you look. At Instagram models all the time, they're holding their coffee with two hands, like a hot mug. Yes. But I'm going to drink my beer like this now. Yes. But, Craig, we were talking before about how it's great because for people like me, I won't knock it over because it's not as tall. Not as tall and tippy. More stable, yeah. Yeah. Why the name Tubby? Ah. (laughs) It's a tubby pint glass. So. (laughs) When Sam first brought the idea up to me, it was actually at a family Christmas event. And he came up to me and he's like, Craig, you know how to make glassware. You've done this before. He's like, what if you had a beer glass in the shape of your favorite ice cream pint? And I was like, what does that even mean? I was like, you mean like the logo would be on the glass? And he's like, I don't know, just your favorite ice cream pint, but it's a beer glass. And so, you know, it's sort of morphed from there. But my favorite thing to do with it is to, like, actually eat cereal out of it. I was going to say, like have you eaten ice cream out of it at this point? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's like a straight out of the pint experience without being embarrassed about eating ice cream straight out of an ice cream pint. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, classy way to be. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are actually still side hustling. A lot of people come on this podcast. They maybe this started as a side hustle. Now it's their full time thing. But you guys are in the thick of it hustling, and I love that. So, Sam, you are a retail manager. Absolutely. And that's your day-to-day, is that like a a 40-hour-a-week job? or? Yeah, usually a little bit more. Jeez. Yeah, it's a lot, but it's fun. It's like controlled chaos, lots of stuff happening all the time. Seasons change. You got to roll with it, Um, but it's fun, yeah. And then how do you find the time to launch a company while doing that? So you do kind of have to dive in. It's like a lot of mornings waking up at 4 a.m. to like build content, social media advertising, all that stuff. You have to play a lot of hats. But finding the right partners has been like the best advice I've ever gotten. So finding somebody like Craig who balances out your skills and stuff like that, it's been a much more enjoyable journey. And Craig, you have... Two other things going on, correct? Or yeah, more totally. at this point. Kind of I'm... always have at least a couple things going on. But that's one thing, you know, what Sam just said, that's one thing that I think he's done exceedingly well having a full-time nine-to-five job is like you have to have the motivation to wake up three hours before your spouse or your partner or you have to get to work. And then you have to be ready to learn for the purpose of furthering your business. And, you know, it's a really hard thing to do, uh, I think, for a lot of people. So my business is sort of like I've had, you know, s- several businesses over the years, built them up, uh, sold some, shut one down. And so Tubby is a current side hustle to my previous other side hustles, which are now my full-time job. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. Okay, yeah. so do you want to talk a little bit about what those yeah, are? Yeah, so I have two. I've Basically, I have like one fertilizer company, 
and we make uh, essentially marijuana fertilizer for like professional marijuana grows. The professional. And then we also have, yeah, that's right. Yeah, wink, wink. And then we also have from that, um, we saw like a big market in home, like high-end home fertilizer for like tomato gardeners and zucchini gardeners. And so we also have a second brand then that sells um, directly to those like sort of like high-end home gardeners. That's awesome. And now how do you find the time to do all the things? For me, like I have both a 100-hour work week and a 10-hour work week. So I'm just working all the time, but just kind of. So <laughs> It's more like thinking about it as a <laughs> hobby. Like, oh, you do woodworking, great. I like do little side hustles. Yeah, like yeah. side hustle. It's like, a, it's like a business. My business is me. I am a side hustle. The Tubby is a, a Kickstarter baby, if, yeah. if you want to call it that. Why Kickstarter? We used Kickstarter as a really cool platform to get the word out. So we did some like fundraising from friends and family just to get the first production run ordered and designed and all of that stuff. Um, and then we used Kickstarter's audience to get the word out. And lots of people think of Kickstarter as like, ooh, we should just like put a product up and see how it does and see what people think about it. But it it was a lot more work than we thought. Why? What do you? In what sense? Because a lot of people who do listen to this podcast will use something like Kickstarter to launch their company. Why is it a lot of work? Yeah, yeah. My best advice is you have to think about the Kickstarter launch as its own product launch. Oh wow! It's not just throwing a video up and seeing what happens. It's about building the audience prior to it, doing all the research, building out the website, the filming, the content. Pretty much everything has to go into it as if you were launching a product nationwide. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when you say video, you guys had a video. Because at this point, you're not selling this product. You're you, but you own it. You've had it created. So what was I haven't seen your Kickstarter video. So what was that process like? Creating a product, a video for a product that existed but kind of not really. Yeah, that's a great point. So especially the first time we received our tubbies, uh, we <laughs> so we did an order of prototypes. And we received this box. It was like this huge ceremony. We planned to film it and do this huge <laughs> unboxing. We got all these cool micro brews. We were like, this is going to be awesome. And we opened it up. It was packed in all this tape and packaging. And the first one we opened was like the crappiest looking glass I've ever seen. It was not a tubby. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't the same a tubby. Shape. It wasn't the same Yeah, so size. that was a big moment where we were like, oh, we really have to put more effort or like time into what the product's actually going to be. That is so, like, so. I'm like heartbroken for you guys that that happened. Like, yeah. you were like, this is it. Maybe we'll show you that <laughs> unboxing video, but nobody yeah. else has seen it. Yeah. That's actually, you should put, but that's real. And that's it's hilarious. It's real, like, yeah. That would be so funny. It's like a throwback Thursday for Instagram. Like, that time we thought we got our tubby. And yeah. It's you like know, a little kid getting a crappy Christmas gift and they just cry. Yeah. Totally. I actually repressed that memory. <laughs> I forgot I about it until just now. <laughs> oh, God. I'm so okay. So, so the <laughs> sun was setting. We were on the grilling. It was great. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure certain that out of that box we got one or two that were like close give us some inspiration yeah exactly yeah exactly well so then we like narrowed down like the every tubby has a rolled rim that makes it really comfy to drink oh, from oh i see that yeah making sure the weight was right so that it's not too it feels really sturdy it but feels it's not sturdy, but it's not heavy would, but it's not super it's heavy awesome. yeah yeah so all of those things turned and then it became a product as opposed to just another glass on the shelf so sam you said your wife designed the logo She's like, uh, so in one weekend, my best friend and my wife and I were hanging out. And I was like, okay, the goal this weekend is we need a name and a logo. And my best friend goes, Tubby. And we're like, that's okay. it. <laughs> and then my wife said, hippos are cool. And so there, it, that Don't happened. You? I drafted up some logos and 
It was like 48 hours and that was done. It's funny when I hear a lot of these stories, they all play out like that. It's yeah. not like I sat on an, on all these names for six months, which is what a lot of us do. But sometimes it'll just click in these random moments. And it's cool hearing your story and how that happened. And did your wife have graphic design history or she was just like, I can draw a hippo or I can. I was the one who whipped up. Yeah. Drew and, and tweaked oh, she out the was hippo. the one who yeah. came up with the idea. She came up with it. Yeah. The okay. idea of having a hippo. Oh, Craig, you said something about working with glassware in the past or was, did I completely make that up? Uh, yeah, no. So I was on the team that brought the Shambong into the world. Like what? Do you know what that is? I've seen it on, <laughs> on totally. I've seen it on Instagram, but I don't have one, and I've never used one. But how, like, what was that? How long ago was that? And how did you use what you learned there? Geez, 2015. Wow. A couple of friends had uh, essentially uh, realized that the Shambong was going to be this, like, you know, really fun tool, and so we. Uh, uh, tool. <laughs> after they got started with it, they, they needed to figure out how to scale. And so then I uh, jumped on and we scaled up that business into sort of a little pop culture icon. So. Now that was sold. Was that a Kickstarter as well or no? No. So you didn't, that was just no, we, guerrilla we, marketing? That company when you went that? viral real hard because of guerrilla marketing. Yeah. So. so have you guys thought about and have you done or will you do guerrilla marketing for the tubby? So we have done a lot of marketing. The one thing I will say about virality is as much effort as you put into going viral, you just can't you predict can't. it, right? You can't, you can't do it. it. So Shambong was cool because like a couple of big companies picked them up and built their own videos that went viral. So that was that yeah. was awesome. It's funny. We we work with a lot of different clients in radio who are like, okay, we want a viral video. And we're like, then it's not a viral yeah, good video. Luck. That's, <laughs> right. that's not how it works. But guerrilla marketing does work and if you do cool things and organic and different things then you will get traction have you guys started working with other companies maybe beer companies have you kind of branched out in that world yeah we have so right now we're going direct to consumer right now through our website and through amazon which has been really successful amazon's picking up speed faster than we could ever imagine that's amazing um one thing i'd say on the marketing side is this whole industry right now you mentioned video is about content so like the more content you can create the more successful you're going to be but is that because people are more likely to see it because there is more of it or my favorite sales analogy is like if you've ever been walking down the beach and a guy in a white van pulls up and says hey you want these speakers are 90 percent off you're gonna buy them no (laughs) <laughs> exactly. So if you throw like one ad at a big discount on the internet, people are going to be like, what the heck is that? So you really need to focus on building a brand, throwing out tons of content lots on Lots of white there. vans driving down the beach. <laughs> All the white vans. A Just white so van that's like parade. the normal shopping experience. Yeah, yeah, I'll take a look in the van. Yeah. Sure. Maybe well, the third or fourth van. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll start to peak. And especially a world where it's very saturated with ads or with things just everywhere and our minds are going so fast. Well, if it goes so fast, but you see the tubby six times in a week even though you've seen a lot of other stuff, that's going to print in your memory. And we talk about this in radio all the time. If people come in and want to do commercials, but they only want to run one commercial a day for a week, that's a waste of their money and probably my time to record it. That does nothing for any of us. People need repetition. They need to hear it often to the point probably where they're memorizing the radio commercial because they've heard it a lot because they know. Or in your case, seeing people drink out of a tubby or seeing the tubby or seeing something funny about the tubby on social media, it will print. Have you guys, I guess, in your world branched out to working with influencers? Because I know that is a 
crazy world for people. It was a major part of our Kickstarter strategy. It was. Huge. How yeah. come you didn't call me? Yeah, I should have. <laughs> you didn't know Man, I existed. I got your number now, so we'll make it happen. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it, real quick, like numbers lay, layout if you want the specifics Absolutely. of how we did it. So prior to Kickstarter, we reached out to, oh, a little, a little quick backstory Go is when we first marketed the tubby, we thought it would be the everything glass. And then we found out that um, the beer industry really embraced it. It's like the best beer glass out there right now. No People way. fell in love with it. So we pivoted um, to be, being you in the go, beer industry. Yeah, you so did that, that. Yeah, make changes. But back when we did our Kickstarter, we reached out to about 300 influencers. Uh, the best part is we didn't exist anywhere that, at that point. I was reaching out to him from my personal Instagram account being like, hey, I made this product. Yeah, that's, I'd be like, can I send no, it thanks. to you You're and weird. have you do a post? <laughs> but out, so out of the 300 people that I personally messaged, um, we had 46 people agree that they gave me their address and they let me send them a free tubby. Now out of those 46, how many actually posted about it? So we asked every uh, one of those influencers to post on day two of the Kickstarter campaign because Usually day one is like all your friends and family and right. everybody's like, oh, well, get it quick. So on day two, we wanted to see a buzz. And 33 it's actually not out bad. of the 46, which blew our minds, posted, and they've been awesome partners since the beginning. That's cool. And you know what's cool about investing, or it's not even investing, but being a part of a company in the beginning, you feel like, I need to take care of this company. I wanted to do it well because I was there from the beginning, even if you are just an influencer posting about it once. Oh, that's an interesting point of view, the influencer's mm. point of view. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There is the Likewise app. They're in Bellevue, but they're a Seattle-based company. They're actually part of Gates Venture, which is crazy. That, But hmm. they are a small app startup, and it's all about recommendations, and it's recommendations from your friends. Instead of using something like Yelp, I go on there, and I'm like, I'm going to Bend, Oregon. Where should I go to a restaurant? And your friends can go on there and comment. I was there when they first launched in October for their like little kickoff thing they did. And I'm like, I need to make sure this app does well because I know the people who work there. And I saw huh. them when they launched. I know what they put into it. And I feel personally responsible now for making sure this app does well, but I also genuinely like it. It's not, I want it to do well, but I'll never use it. There's a difference there. You have to use it and be there from the beginning. So connecting with influencers or just people on a real human level, which doesn't exist much anymore, makes such a difference. That's a great perspective. Because yeah. those relationships have been super valuable. It, sure. It's not just, hey, here's a tubby, go post. We've like stayed in touch and like helped each other out in different ways that we couldn't have ever guessed. Well, and I think it, it's, it's, it's guided where we're taking the company because you, you sort of get to know, you, you have this thing that you think it's X and you take it to 300 people and then you sort of whittle down to your 37. And then through that process, you kind of figure out who wants to talk about your product. So w- true. what is it that they like about it? What is it that they, you kind of kind of figure out what they don't like if they don't want to talk to you anymore. So it's not a smoothie cup. But the <laughs> beer industry was like, yeah, we'll talk. And so now we're a beer glass. Even, you know, we, we really do both like beer. And that's, you know, something that we were thinking the whole time would be a big market. But it's it turns out it's probably the market for our, our company. But yeah. if a bunch of basic bitches were like, this is totally my green smoothie glass, then it would be a green smoothie glass. It would glass. be a green, we'd be the smoothie glass. But it's yeah. it's almost like a free focus group at that point. I mean, yeah, yeah you're paying in product up front right away, but focus groups are the best thing. And if you can, that aren't your family and friends, yes, they'll be honest, but you do need people that don't live and breathe the same air as you to really <laughs> give their opinion from another side of the country because you're not just going to sell to your family and friends, but being able to put this in a stranger's hands and tell them, 
okay, what do you think or what would you use it for? I'm sure has been the most valuable thing for you Absolutely. guys. Uh, the feedback's been incredible. And yeah, I think Instagram more than anything, it's true in so many markets, but especially in the beer industry, there's no website that people go to buy beer stuff. No. You know, like people check out Instagram and there's so many amazing like breweries and follow and accounts that just, yeah, they love it. And now we're seeing like, Four to five posts of people with tubbies every day being well, like, this is awesome. And that's the other thing. Yeah. When, when it gets into a consumer's hand, like, oh, this is so cool. Like, I want to be the person to show off to my friends that I got this cool new beer glass before anyone else. Yeah. And then, boom, word of mouth, and it takes off. You know, yeah. I think that's like what Kickstarter did for us is we got so many tubbies out across the country that you just had mm-hmm. more tubbies showing up in people's friend circles and on Instagram and Facebook and well, and then what happens with, what are people doing with tubbies? They're drinking with friends. And then your friends are there and they're like, I want one of those. And it's almost <laughs> the perfect, perfect product for that situation. Totally. Have you seen that where people are like, oh, I saw my friend had it and I wanted to order it. Do you hear from customers? Yeah, talking? my favorite c- comment we get all the time is my friend ordered these tubbies and I was really skeptical, <laughs> but I took one and now it's my favorite glass. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. The glass. Oh my God! There you go. The glass your friends will steal from your house. Yeah. So be careful. That's be totally careful. what it is. Don't invite friends. Yeah, maybe over. buy an eight pack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. You, that's. I'm telling you, that's the way you got to market it. Yeah. Do you think that this will ever be a full time job? Does it need to be a full time job? Because at this point, I don't want to say what are you actually doing, but it's a production process. You're not making these glasses. Every week, you're not glass blowing. You're not doing that. So, does it essentially run on its own at some point? Yeah, it does. I think like the content side of it is always going to be. Um, you could put as much time as you want into it, and like the relationships. If we wanted to partner up with breweries and get right. them stocked with tubbies, that's like a more full time job. So you could for sure put full time hours into it. But uh, I mean, my personal dream is that we're like a co- kind of a constant side hustle machine. That's right? cool. Is I to l- be able to like build multiple brands yes. and work on them together and see how they grow. And I then, you know, where that. the energy starts to go, if a company starts to take off, you just invest more time and energy in it. And maybe that becomes your main gig for a minute. One of the things we were talking about before we got in the studio is the idea of trademarking and launching a company and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And we don't talk too much about that on this podcast, but you guys were telling me about how you can end up spending thousands of dollars in legal fees to launch a company and that there are ways around that, kind of? You want to talk a little bit about that? Well, so, you know, most traditional business knowledge would be go to a law firm and, you know, you engage their IP department and and then they try to sell you on these services, which have a sticker price and then a later down the line price after, you know, you have to turn in different iterations of your trademark or you have to refute something to the USPTO. And, uh, you know, they're, you know, if you're starting off small, you know, and you're just working out of your garage, there are great services like LegalZoom that you can use out there, um, the website LegalZoom. And you can usually, you know, get a trademark for uh, half or a quarter of the price of, you know, using a big law firm. It's not fully known, but there's a kind of a theory that LegalZoom applications kind of make their way through the USPTO faster than a traditional law firm, potentially because they just send so many applications in. But, you know, that's kind of a little secret, I guess. But that's amazing advice, especially for someone who doesn't know how to do any of this, because 
I've been looking into the whole LLC world and I'm like, what are these words? Like, I don't even know where to even start. It's, they make it difficult on purpose. I'm convinced. So it's another stuck. language. Yeah, for sure. It really is. Yeah. And if you don't have a friend who's done it before or someone like you, Craig, to give us all this random advice, <laughs> then what do you do? You end up spending thousands of dollars and right. you may not even be approved, which you said that happened, Sam. At some yeah. Point. Yeah. I mean, it can happen on several occasions, but in like Craig's point also is the fees can add up after the fact when there's just things you can't predict. Right. right? That you don't so, know what the yeah. heck is going to happen. Yeah. You guys told me that when you were launching, you had some production issues, warehouse issues. Talk a little bit about that because... The whole warehouse world is confusing <laughs> to me and how that works. I think it's kind of funny when we, we plan the launch so that the, our glasses would arrive in August. So all of the Kickstarter people were like, great, we're going to get these glasses in August. And when did the Kickstarter close? Kickstarter closed in April. So it was a pretty quick turnaround, but not too bad. One thing we're thankful for is that every Kickstarter backer in the history of time has expected a delay. I think, <laughs> or experienced a delay I'm sure. Yeah, in yeah. delivery of the product. So we got our uh, glasses at the, like, on the 1st of October. Whoa. Whoa is right. Craig had a little warehouse outside of Seattle that we were going to store all of these tubbies in, and he had it until the end of August. Stop. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I was doing a big shuffle with my companies, and so we ended up actually having all of the tubbies as they came in diverting them to Sam's father-in-law in my dad's warehouse. <laughs> his, where, garage. his garage. His garage. His, his garage. Also known as my dad. His garage. And, and we, in his garage in October, um, you know, we unpacked the tubbies and started to manage the shipping process. Well, because everything came in so late, we didn't have time to ship all of our tubbies to a third-party fulfillment company. So we actually hand-packaged and padded every single one of the Kickstarter orders and put labels on them and took them in the back of my Prius and Sam's, what was it, a Subaru at the time, to the post office and dumped off like thousands of tubs. They were were not happy with us, the post office. Oh, I'm sure that they were not. (laughs) And right before packing, we noticed one of the pallets that was full of thousands of tubbies had a little dent. And so we took that box out. It was the first box we unwrapped. And the first four... Four packs of tubbies were shattered. Oh my God. So what do you do at that point? Does it, where do you have to order more? Or we had you... to individually check every single oh. one every before box. shipping it out. Yeah. So we, yeah, we're a little like a sore in the hands. Yeah. That and emotionally, that was a yeah. real, <laughs> was a real period. So what happens now if I order a tubby, where does it come from? Front, like, what is the process? How does that work? So, yeah, we use um, Amazon as a fulfillment company. Awesome. So, if you order on our website or you order on Amazon, they fulfill the, the product uh, to the customer. You can run, you know, these days you can run a business entirely from a laptop with zero employees that can do millions of dollars in revenue. Yeah, luckily we've had a really low breakage rate. Like, like only a few tubbies have broken on shipment, but that just happens. You know, like the, the well, post yeah. office guy throws just the box it, and, and punts day. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I scored. But that, like, so that customer emails me and within, 30 seconds, he's getting a new tubby shipped to him and it's all from my laptop. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. How did you get on Amazon? Because I have no idea how that works. Uh, It's actually a a fairly simple process. Um, They have a a seller portal. You go on and sign up for an account and start to build products, put your credit card in. They'll take your money, you know? Well, yeah, that's true. So the Amazon, they really want to be the fulfillment company and also the sales portal for as many things as they can. And so at this point, 
you know, it's developed such in such a way that it's really easy to get products into Amazon and to fulfill them through their service. Then Amazon has a bunch of tubbies sitting in a warehouse in Seattle, or is that everywhere? How does that work on there? Do you have know how that works on their end? I have no idea, but how does that work? It's a lot of math and programs to show where it is, but we're prime eligible and like same day in most cities across the country Amazing. now. Amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. So you can, yeah, you go to Amazon.com and search for tubby or search for pint glass, and we're right up there at the top. Which Oh, to hold a question about that, but I do want to say if you use code Carla Marie on Amazon, you get 25% off, which is amazing. So thank you for that, guys. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah totally. Get some tubbies. It's yeah. really cool. But how did you get it so that if I type in pint class, it pops up? Yeah. There's Whoa. a, yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of work. Let's do another <laughs> podcast. Yeah. yeah. Is that an SEO there, thing? Yeah. yeah it's, like an, it's like an internal network SEO thing. So you have to like figure out what kind of keywords will trigger both, you know, in your title, description, and any other content. And then you also have to do a lot of work to build up your traffic. And you can do that through advertising. You can do that through, you know, trying to get, you know, our Kickstarter community to go to Amazon. You know, if you build up the traffic on your, and your listing itself, the better your listing looks, the more traffic it's going to get naturally when people find it in the search terms. So Yeah, working on images and like PPC is a big thing, which is pay-per-click advertising. So every time you go to Amazon and see a sponsored ad, Mm -hmm. like that person is paying each time you click that item. Oh my God. So now I sure. feel bad if I click it and don't buy it. Well, click it to see how they retarget you too. It's interesting. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. people are just like, click, click, click. I yeah. want to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So you just said taking pictures or using images. Do you guys have a team of people that shoot photos? How does all that Yeah, work? we have a team. Is it you guys? You have a Mostly nice camera. Sam. So Sam yeah, I used to be a wedding photographer. No so. way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you so you have a sick camera. I saw you with it. It's a Canon. Yeah. So you take all the pictures. You do all that's very cost effective. I'm sure it for, helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, the images actually. There's a whole science on that. But the the making sure you have like amazing product images and videos can can make or break it. Oh yeah. If if a company doesn't care what their product looks like socially or image or video, to me, I'm like well, do I want to trust the actual product if they're not investing in how it looks, which is kind of messed up in the end. If it's a good product, it's a good product. But if the face of it is bad, it's like, are you going to go eat at a restaurant that's got a sign that looks dirty? Probably not. So yeah, it's, it's true. It's the same kind of idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One thing I ask everyone in every episode, and you each have to answer, is what app do you like to use that helps you with your company? Or I'll let you say like day-to-day and it can't be Instagram, an app that kind of helps you function as a human. You can answer either way. I'll start with the company one. Shopify has blown me away. I think their whole platform is insanely simple. There's nothing like it. And there's a couple other competitors, but the way their app integrates with everything that we need to use as a business is phenomenal. I kind of, I don't know, I live in that app. A lot of people on here have said Shopify, Mm. which makes me think like they need to pay to be on this yeah, podcast Yeah, I think that it's about that time. Because I'm telling you, almost everyone has been like, if it weren't for, Sho- like Shopify is their <laughs> social media because they check it constantly. And they're like, well, this person just bought this in Ohio. Why? And you almost trace it and see, and you can see how many people are on your website at a time, right? Like you can log on right now and look. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. their ecosystem's incredible. I mean, that's how you run a business with one person and a laptop. Shopify. You have to use the best components. Whether it be a contract accountant, contract manufacturer, contract website company, contract fulfillment company. There's also um, just one other quick one I use that that helped that a lot of people don't know about is the Facebook page app. You know, it's so funny. I I learned about it about a year ago and I've noticed that a lot of people don't realize that 
it is a separate app. So if you have a company and a business and you're trying to run it, the Facebook app itself is not for you. You can't do it. You can't do anything. You'd have to go to your laptop. Otherwise, there's stuff that you can't do within the mobile side of Facebook. So the Facebook page app allows you to respond to your customers really quickly. It's simple. It's great. Good answer. Hmm. Craig, do you have any? Uh, Yeah. So like my kind of day-to-day use app would be the Amazon seller app. Cool. I use it for all my businesses. Uh, It works great. It's a reasonable app. But what I have to say, my favorite app, it's kind of a weird one, is this app that if you take a picture of a physical piece of paper, it cleans it up and makes it look like you photocopied it. Is it Cam Scanner? Cam Scanner. Yes. Okay. It's the bomb. It allows me to run. Like I was in Mexico for 10 days in early December, and I ran my entire enterprise from my cell phone. It's cool. It's almost like... I don't want to say it makes it have less quality than a photo, but it looks like you photocopied it. Yeah, it looks kind of kind of like a crummy photocopy, but it works. It legal documents. Yeah. I mean, so you, and you did it all through an app. I actually knew someone who was uh, signing an NHL contract, and there was no fax, nothing, and they're like, "We need this back today," and we used Cam Scanner to get his NHL contract in. And it's mind-boggling that this is a free app that we're using for something you so crazy. You know what's nutty? I sold a business this last year, one of my businesses, with Cam Scanner. <laughs> so crazy. I took pictures of my purchase and sale documents, and I sent them to New York, and that was the deal. That was that's how did how did people function? Isn't I don't that know. nuts? Just, <laughs> how? Yeah. How? And then and you know what's even crazier? Some people still have fax numbers. If someone's like, "Can you fax me this?" I'm like. It's basically the white van thing. It's like, you're creepy. No way. (laughs) If you're trying to fax something, something is very wrong here. We've got technology. Why am I faxing things? Well, you guys, this has been a lot of fun. I feel like I could sit here for like six more hours to talk to you. But Sam, I do want you to tell the story on this podcast because I want to end on a fun note of (laughs) of what happened to you yesterday. But this also adds to you've got two jobs, really, and kids. And this story is my favorite. I thought you were messing with me. So please tell everyone what happened. Take it away, Sam. I definitely need a beer and a tubby after yeah, this story. Seriously. Yeah. So yesterday morning, my wife is done nursing and being pregnant of our two children. So she's off on a fun trip to San Diego. Cool. She left at 5 a.m. yesterday morning. So I'm sitting there in my older son Jackson's room with Miles, my younger son. We're playing, having a good time. And Jackson goes, Daddy, I'm going to lock the door. And I'm like, okay, cool. But our door, his door locks from the outside, so he so locked lock it your kid. and closed. <laughs> yeah, so it's a big crib. That's what we say. It's <laughs> We lock him in, but it's just a big crib. Um, so he locked us in his bedroom. So I was in my underwear and my socks, and I didn't have anything. The no. door opens to the inside, so I couldn't, like, shoulder it down or and anything. And he didn't, like, you weren't like, Jackson, open the door. No, oh, we were all on the inside. It was the three of us. Nobody oh, was out. locked it and closed it. He locked it and closed it. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> so there we were, trapped inside. No phone, no nothing. So I kind of tried to break the door, but I just didn't want to deal with Were you, replacing. like, laughing or panicking? I was just like, I was like, I, I think I could figure this out. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, so then um, what happened? Yeah, so then I thought about, try, yeah, I tried to, like, break the door, and I tried to, like, unscrew the screws with the end of a plug, but it just didn't work. <laughs> Were the kids freaking out, or they thought this was They fun? had no idea. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So then there is one small window that I managed to climb out of. In and your I, underwear and socks. In my underwear and socks, and it's Seattle, so it's raining. Yeah. And then I got the kids to sit on a table, and they kind of jumped out the window. <laughs> and so there I am outside, standing in a puddle in my socks, in my underwear with two kids, and I run down to my neighbor's house and knock on the door at 6 in the morning. 
And I'm like, uh, could I borrow a screwdriver? <laughs> like, that is insane. So I got a screwdriver. I don't have a high to keep, so maybe that's a lesson learned. <laughs> Threw them back inside, unscrewed the door. And uh, yeah, that was a good start to the morning. That is, and your, your wife is probably like, she loves it a little bit. She's like, this yeah. is what happens when I leave. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's right. <laughs> yeah. She's the glue of the family. That's I, for sure. I think we all got that from the story. Well, I need you to call into our morning show next week and tell that story because it'll be a fan favorite because it already is. So, guys, thank you. I know we recorded this on a Friday afternoon. We had some technical issues. Coworkers stealing the studio. You've been very patient. I appreciate you guys. I'm excited for what happens with the tubby. I know it's going to be awesome, but check out Sam and Craig. It's the tubby. Dot co. You can check them out on Instagram. It's at original tubby mm-hmm. because is there a non-original tubby? <laughs> it's uh, the only it's tubby. It's the only one. At original tubby. And then on Amazon, use code Carla Marie for 25% off. Thank you, guys. Thank yeah, you. Thanks. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I appreciate you. You can always check out everything I've got going on at thecarlamarie.com. Just in case you need one more round. The Last Call Podcast with Carla Marie and Anthony. One last little taste to hold you over till tomorrow. Available worldwide on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.